Man, I want to speak to you today on a message called Don't Stop Believing. Come on, somebody say, Don't Stop Believing. Don't stop. Right now, you already get it in your head. You're going, just a small town girl living in a lonely world. You got it in the back of your head, right? You sinners. I'm joking. I'm joking. Today, I want to talk about don't stop believing. And, and you know, life is a series of actions. And, and we have an opportunity to either react or respond to those actions. There's a story that I love in the Bible, and it seems like every time I read about it, anytime I study it, I just get something else out of it, some other angle. And I want to talk to you today about the story of Joseph. And Joseph, in this story, Joseph uh, has a life uh, of, of responding to the actions that were given to him. You know, this story relates to me just, I don't know, when I, when I get it and I read it and I think about it, it just relates a lot to me, and probably because Joseph was a dreamer, and and I'm a dreamer, and I actually got in trouble for daydreaming in school back in sixth grade. And to the point that um, I had to have a teacher meeting with my math teacher, the principal, and my mother because my, my grades were struggling in math. And, and, but here's the thing. If you guys had to listen to this man teach, you would have daydreamed too. It was horrible. I really believe I was daydreaming that I literally was on fire just to ease the pain to have to listen to this man teach. It was horrible. And if those of you that are math whizzes in here, math's for nerds anyway. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sort of. I'm sort of kidding. But when you, when you look at Joseph and you, and, and you think about it, this story, he was a dreamer. And, and Joseph... Uh, just to paraphrase today, just for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of go through this story, and I want to bring out some things that God really has shown me in my own life, and I believe that it will help you today when it comes to the, the, the way that Joseph responded and didn't react to what was given to him in life. And so when you look at Joseph and his story, just to give you a little bit, if you don't know about Joseph, Joseph was the one son of many sons of a man named Israel. And not just that he was one son, he actually was his favorite son. And he, he was so much favored by his father, Israel, that Israel made him a coat of many colors, put a coat on him, and dressed him, and literally signified the difference between him and his other brothers. And you can imagine, those of you that have siblings in the room, how that can cause some conflict just out of the gate, right? And you see that Joseph, uh, you can read that in, in chapter uh, 37 of Genesis, verse 3. It said that Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because Joseph was born when he was an old man, and Israel made him a long coat of many colors. So in this story with Joseph, he has a couple of dreams. God gives him these powerful dreams, these amazing dreams about himself. And in these dreams, he had some, uh, these analogies of the stars bowing down to him and these wheat, wheat of grass bowing down to him, signifying that he would be exalted up. And so Joseph does probably what we all do when God does something amazing in our life. You start to talk about it. And Joseph begins to talk about it. And, and, and given the fact that he's already daddy's favorite, and then he's starting to say that all of them are going to have to bow down to him, instantly some conflict starts happening, Right? See, you know, then it goes on to say here in verse 20 of 30, chapter 37 of Genesis that they start getting upset at Joseph, his brothers. They start plotting 
to kill Joseph. They said, come, let us kill him. Let us throw him into a cistern and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. You know what's one thing when you got enemies that are against you? But it's a whole nother feeling when the people that should be the closest to you, they got a problem with you. Can, I, can anybody relate with me today? You know, I, I, have a, I have a sister. I have a younger sister. And, you know, I, I've been aggravated at my sister. I mean, we fought growing up. I mean, you know, any, anybody with some siblings in here that can take the church mask off and say, y'all got some ma major arguments. And it was never, me and my sister got in arguments, but it was never nothing about something serious. It was more like who got the remote control, what cartoon were they going to watch, you know, who ate the last bowl of cereal when we were growing up. And, you know, I can't imagine just plotting to kill my, my sister over something like that. On the other hand, she has definitely tried to kill me. I'm not joking. This girl was crazy growing up. I can talk about her because she's not here. She was crazy growing up. I'm talking about she chased me around the house one afternoon. We got in a fight. Mom was gone. And, and, and she chased me around with a butcher knife around the house. I'm not joking, swinging it at me. I'm like, you're going to kill, you're going to cut me. She goes, I know. I ran, locked myself in the bathroom. I am not exaggerating this. She was jabbing it under the door. You know what batons that Majorette used? She warped about five batons over my forearm one time. Now, I know, she's crazy, but I mean, she didn't kill me. I'm here. And this is, this is how you know you've been raised in church and you know the Bible too much. We're pastor's kids. And, and we, you know, church kids use the Bible for their advantage. And I remember one night we had fought over something. I don't remember what it was. I was about 12 years old. And she comes in my room. She's just staring at me. She just opens the door and stares right at me. There's little darty, devilish, little beady eyes. <laughs> Just staring right at me. And she, I, I said, Ashley, get out of my room now. She just stared, stood there just staring. I said, get out of my room. She goes, I'm going to kill you in your sleep. <laughs> so, I, so I did what every church kid would do. I used the Bible against her. It's like, uh-uh. That's called murder. And if you murder me, you'll die and go to hell. And she looked right at me and she said, not if I ask for forgiveness. And just slammed the door. <laughs> I didn't want to admit it, but I stayed up almost half the night thinking, does she really mean she's going to kill me, or was she just being mean about it? Here you find Joseph, their bro his brothers actually go and they acted out, even though my sister was just talking, just to put fear in me. They, they acted this out, and you find out that Joseph, they stripped him of his coat, they dipped it in some animal blood, gave it back to the father and said he died, and they threw him in a cistern. Now what a cistern was in that day and time, is where they would carve out a really deep hole in some rock. And when it would rain, it would fill it with water, and the community would come out, and they would use it like a well and nourish their, you know, their livestock. They'd drink the water themselves. They'd use it for bathing. And here Joseph finds himself thrown in this empty cistern, this dry place, this place that is, is, is deep, this place He's been stripped of everything he knows. And I want to ask you a question today. Have you ever felt like you've been in a place that used to refresh you, but now restricts you? I mean, Joseph has this moment. He gets a dream. He's excited about it. He may not have done the right things about talking about it so much, but here, the brothers get jealous. They throw him in a place, a place that is significant to society in that area, to refresh you, to replenish you, and now he finds himself in an empty cistern, restricted. 
This was nothing like Joseph dreamed. He didn't dream this up. He didn't have this idea. He didn't see this. So what happens to Joseph? He goes on and he's sold to an official. He becomes a slave to Potiphar. And so Joseph didn't let that discourage him. You don't read where it discouraged Joseph. He just took what was handed to him and he tried to make the best out of a situation. So he goes and he's in Potiphar's house. It says that everything that Joseph touched was blessed to the point that Potiphar exalted him up to be the, the, the top uh, servant in his house. And then Potiphar's wife shows up. Whoa, here she comes. <laughs> Look out, boys. She's a man eater. Y'all, y'all need to get saved. Y'all know all these songs. Here, Potiphar's wife shows up and not once but a few times tries to get with Joseph. And it says here in Genesis 39, verse 12, she caught him by his coat. She trapped him, got him in a room by himself, caught him by his coat and said, lie with me. But what did he do? Can you help me out? He ran out of the house, leaving the coat in her hand, a second coat that was taken off Joseph. I want to ask you today, What are you romancing in your life that you should be running from? What dreams has God given you? What things have God shown you about your life, your family, your ministry, your calling, that business that you have, that that gifting, that talent that you have? What things in your life, what relationships, what addictions, what attitude, what doctrine have you romanced that you should be running from? What dreams are you forgetting about for a moment of pleasure? What promises are you giving up on for a moment of persuasion? Joseph, he ran. He ran. He took off. He didn't even give it a chance. But you know what happened to Joseph after that? She lied on him and said she tried, he tried to take advantage of her. And what happened to him? He got thrown into prison. Have you ever felt that you had to pay the penalty for doing, some, for doing something right? Have you ever felt like in life that, that you've had to pay the penalty for doing what you knew God asked you to do? Joseph did. Joseph got a dream. He had a dream. He had a purpose. He had a plan. God showed him something so deep, so powerful, so big that he believed it with all his heart. And yet doing the right thing, sometimes the right thing doesn't always feel good. You find where Joseph goes on and while he's in prison, same thing kind of happens again. He just does what he knows to do. He gets good at what he, at, at running a prison with these soldiers and God blesses him. And because he's a, a dreamer, he specializes in dreams and he runs into two guys that got thrown into prison because they made the Pharaoh mad, a cupbearer and a baker. And they both have these supernatural dreams and they're confused about it. And so Joseph speaks up and goes, hey, I know a guy named God and he he tells me about dreams and shows me how to interpret dreams. And I'll interpret your dream. And he goes and he interprets these dreams and he says, if it comes to pass and you get out of here, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. And so it comes to pass that everything that Joseph says in these dreams happens. Everything the way he said it was going to happen. 
The baker winds up dying and the cupbearer winds up being restored into power with the Pharaoh. And as you would think and you would hope when you pay somebody forward a little bit that they should pay you back forward, it says that for two years Joseph was forgotten. I mean, come on, guys, let's think about this. What dreams in your life have you believed in God for? And it's been years. How many can say that you don't even realize that it's not really lined up the way you thought it was going to in your own head? It didn't look like it was, it doesn't look like what you promised me, God. Here Joseph finds himself not in just a pit, having his favor stripped off from him, not not only finding himself as a slave, as a servant in a house with no rights, having his integrity stripped off from him, but now he is forgotten sitting in a prison that he did nothing wrong to be there. Oh, can you relate in your own life? Can you step back in your own life in seasons and times and you sit back and go, God, I never thought I'd be right here right now. I mean, when you were a teenager and you're growing up, you thought this. You, you know God gave you the dream, right? You know God put it in your heart. You know God spoke to you. You know God showed you something great, and yet you found yourself in a place of being forgotten. Maybe you feel like God's forgotten you. Maybe you feel like family's forgotten you. Maybe you're single today and you feel like there ain't nobody there for me. Joseph knows what that feels like. But as you begin to read the story, Joseph goes on and does what he knows to do. And it happens that after these two years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. A dream that messed him up. That shook him. It made him, made him nervous. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what it meant. He called all the people, the, the mages and the people in there, and they could not interpret this dream. And then finally, finally, the cupbearer goes, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I know a dude. I got a dude. I got a guy named Joseph. He interpreted my dream. It says right here in Genesis 41, verse 14, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And listen to what happens here. And he quickly brought him from, uh, was brought from the dungeon. And when he, Joseph, had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. So what did he do? He shaved and he changed his clothes. It's so unique to me that there's so many things about what was taken off and what was put on. What was taken off and what was put on. Joseph shaved and put on new clothes from a prison. You have to understand today, you will never reach your destiny wearing what your past has put on you. Some of you have went through divorce and you're still living in it. Some of you have experienced death in your life of a family member, a friend, or someone close to you, and you still are wearing the same things of then. And I want you to understand today, you will never see your destiny if you don't learn to put on the new things that God has for you. Joseph didn't stay in a prison. Joseph didn't stay with a mindset of, I'm never going to make it. It's not going to happen for me. No, he said, I'm going to shave. This is my moment. 
This is it. I've waited long enough. And even if this ain't the answer, I'm still standing and believing anyway. Joseph goes in and he interprets the dream to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh exalts, uh, exalts him. And in Genesis 41, 41, it says this. That, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of all the land of Egypt. Nobody was greater than Joseph but Pharaoh. Look what he does. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and he put it on Joseph's finger and he dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Joseph decided to let the past be the past and changed himself. And watch what God did. The Pharaoh put on him everything that Joseph lost. Today, I want you to understand something in this story of Joseph, and I'm paraphrasing, and I encourage you to go back and read the few chapters that it is about his life, that if you bring your past into your future, you will never realize the potential you have in your pit, your prison, or your palace. There is potential in your pit. There is potential in your prison. Matter of fact, the pits in your life and the prisons of your life are the preparation that you need that takes you to the palace. I've been guilty of walking around like a poor, pathetic little me when I go through the pits in my life saying, God, why me? Why did this have to happen to me? You know God never answers you when you ask why. If Jesus Christ himself hanging on a tree for you and I, dying on a cross, raises up his head and goes, why have you forsaken me? And God didn't answer him. Why would he answer us when we say why? It is the pits and the prisons of your life that prepare you to handle. If you can't handle the pit, baby, you won't ever handle the palace. Joseph had a choice to be reactionary. He could have said, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything. Why, God? He, he, I was just being daddy's favorite. I, I, didn't, I did the right thing, and look where it got me. He didn't. He, had, he responded. He didn't react. He responded with faith. He responded with faith. He said, I won't stop believing. Somebody look at your neighbor and just nudge him a little bit and say, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. Fathers, don't stop believing for your family. Wives, mothers, don't stop believing for your family. Come on, students, don't stop believing for what God has in your life. Come on, Cardinal fans, don't stop believing. You were close. You were really there. You were almost there. Don't stop believing today. It's going to happen. <laughs> we drove up. We drove up right at, I got to my hotel right. We were listening to it on the car. And I drove up right when the game was over. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it's comical to me because I don't live here, so I'm not even as invested in the Cardinals. But you just see the people walking out there just like, <sighs> I want to tell you today, don't stop believing. Amen. 
<laughs> Don't stop believing. See, today, the journey may not have looked like you have planned. I find this is one of the greatest obstacles in my life. It's when I get a picture of what I think it should be. God, I thought I should be this. I thought I should be here. I thought they. I thought everything. Isn't it funny how we get a picture in our head? And I found in my life that sometimes you got to step back, and if God says there's going to be a sunrise in your horizon and there's going to be a beautiful, don't, don't paint it a forest if God's painting it on the beach. You want the conflict to rise up in your life? You want, a, you want doubt to be a struggle constantly in you? It's when you paint a picture God never intended to paint. Joseph, he, he didn't, it didn't look like he planned. But you know, don't focus on what the picture you have in mind. Allow God's process. Somebody say process. That's a word we don't like. That's a word that's tough for us. Process. Allow God's process to take place. See, Joseph didn't see the pit in his dream, did he? He's seen, he's seen stars bowing down to him. He's seen these wheat, uh, these shafts of wheat bowing down to him. He never seen the pit. Joseph never seen Potiphar's house. He didn't see the prison. And you never heard Joseph say, when is it going to happen, God? I'm not saying the doubt didn't come. I'm saying he didn't react to it. I'm saying he didn't respond to it. He never said, God, why am I going through this? He learned to keep his eyes on the promise maker, not the promise. See, when your only perception is on the stuff in the promise, you'll always make it about you. Let me say that again, because that's a good one. If, you, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, just tweet me, at Adam Drinkard. I'm the only one on the internet. You can just do it. If you make it about the stuff in the promise, it will always be about you. It'll always be about what you wanted, why it didn't happen when you wanted it to happen. Why it happened, why isn't it, why isn't it got going the way you said it was going to go? You have to understand today that it's not about you today. Now, I'm going to use a little analogy. So Kyle and Mr. Joy, if you would, come help me for a second. Kyle, come with me. Mr. Joy, if you would just stand over there for me. A lot of times, this is what we think it looks like in our heads when it comes to do, Joy's going to be the promise. So this is the ministry. This is the calling. This is the purpose. This is everything that, that God has shown with you. And you're going to be Joseph. You're my Joseph, right? So Joseph, there's, there's the, the, the stars falling down to you. There's the weeds of shaft falling. And this is how we view it happens in our life. This is what we think. I'll be God. Okay? And so, all right. All right, Joseph, let's go. All right. See, the, keep your eye. Right, there's the promise. All right, all right, no, no, come on. Don't sway off. Don't sway off. Come back over here, Joseph. Joseph, no, look, look. Keep paying your tithes, Joseph. I know it looks like it's struggling right now. You, you know my words. Keep paying your tithes. Come on, Joseph. Keep praying those prayers. Just stay in line. Right there's the promise. Right? And we get discouraged because we feel like we're doing this all the time. And God, and we think God's just trying to get us back in line. Get us back in line. Find us. And we've struggled our whole life because we feel like we're doing this. Can anybody relate? Can anybody just be honest? I know I have in my life, but this is what God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to be looking at the promise because if when you do, you won't like it when he asks you to go this way. When he asks you to pray and, 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 and stand in the need and forgive somebody that hurts you, 
When he tells you, hey, I'm going to make you the bad guy even though you ain't done nothing wrong. Because when you keep your eye on the promise, then you start getting frustrated because he's asking you to go places you never intended in your mind to go. This is what God really does. This is what he's asking us to do today, and I hope this gets in your heart. I hope you see what I'm saying. He's saying, Joseph, look right here, son. Look right here. It's going to be all right. Come on, Joseph. You can make it. I see the promise. It's coming. Just stay right here, Joseph. Don't look away. Watch it. Watch it. Just stop right here. All right, you're in line, Joseph. Stay on me. Stay on me. Stay on me. Listen, it, it, it looks like it's crazy, and I want you to understand something. When you feel the furthest away from your promise, he feels the furthest because he's just looking at, he's looking at God. Keeping your focus on God makes you feel sometimes you're the furthest away from the promise. But I want you to know today, that's when you are the closest to God's promise. Thank you, guys. Come on, somebody. Joseph was in a prison. How much further does a prison look like than being someone in a power and authority and people bowing down to him? It was the furthest place to the promise. And I want you to know today, you may be sitting in a place, you may mentally be in a place, your heart may be hurting today, thinking, I don't know where I am. It doesn't look like the promise is ever going to come to pass. And I want to encourage you this morning that when you're the furthest away, that's when God has you right where you are supposed to be. Come on, God's getting you set up for a get up. Come on, look at your neighbor and just point and say, he's got you set up for a get up. He's setting you up. It may look like the devil's winning. Come on, it may look like the world is winning, but God is setting things up. He is the God of all gods. He is the, the king of all kings. He has this in his hand today. Let's learn not to make the promise about the stuff. And it's not about you. It never was about you. It wasn't about me. It says in the story that Joseph goes up and the famine comes and his family shows up. And he reveals himself in chapter 50, verse 19. But Joseph said to his family, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to hurt me and harm me. I want you to know, whatever you've been going through, whatever, whatever situations have faced and been knocking at your door, it is intended to harm you. But listen to what the promise is today. But God intended it for good to do what? To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. The dream you have in your life is not for you, but it's for the deliverance of someone else. Why should you keep on believing today? Because you got a family that needs you to believe. You got friends that need you to believe. You got a church that needs you to believe in the mission of what God has asked these pastors to do. Because there's somebody out there, maybe you're in the room today, and you don't know Jesus. That's why we got to keep believing. That's why we got to trust the process. Don't stop believing because there is a purpose in the process. As I'm closing today, there's four fundamental things that kept, I believe, that kept Joseph believing. One, he understood covenant. He understood that this was a covenant he didn't make to God. God made to him. And when you realize the covenant that you have is more about what he made to you than you make to him, 
you'll begin to rest in the process. I believe that he had character in his life when he had no reason to keep going and doing right. He did it anyway. And he was consistent. And he had courage to believe. Joseph understood how to mind-manage himself. He managed his mind. I, I tweeted the other day that the mind is a, an amazing servant, but a horrible master. And there's a thing that's called your current situation and an expected result. And in between your current situation and your expected result, there's this dip, there's, there's this gap. And it's called discouragement. And if you're not careful, you'll let your mind do what it wants. Because it, what, what it wants to do is look at the dip. It wants to look at the gap. From where your current situation is and your expected result. And if, you, if you're not careful, your mind will look down and go, there's no way. There's no way. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. And I need you to understand today that your belief, not in yourself, but a belief that the one that gave you the promise narrows the gap. I have to close up here, but I want to tell you just a little story in my second closing. My son Grayson, my family don't get to come with me very often when I minister out and they actually got to come, uh, my wife and Brienne and my son Grayson, who's in your kids' ministry right now. Five years ago, he was born. And, you know, if you've been a new father or maybe you are a new father in here, it's exciting when you have these moments. You know, the baby's coming. It's, a, it's crazy. It's like, whoa, don't know what to expect. Don't know what it's going to be like. And I remember sitting in the waiting room waiting for Brienne to deliver Grayson and the doctors came in and there was a major deal that happened to the point that literally they said it was like every time she had a contraction it was squeezing him to the point of death and then letting go where he could breathe again and so they immediately rushed her in and got her into an emergency c-section you know I'm being a new father I was scared to death because he's my Grayson he's my grace son I spell it G-R-A-C-E-N and I remember God promised me a child. I remember praying and he told me that. And it's funny how when you get in the places that don't wind up like you pictured it, you really get, your faith gets shaken. And I remember sitting there and saying, God, and I remember that we walked into the operating room and it was quick. It happened fast. And they're, they're giving you the worst case scenario and everything. And I remember sitting there and looking down at my wife and there's 20, 30 people, well, not that many, about 12 or 15 in the room. And I'm sitting there and looking down at my wife, and I can tell she's scared. I'm trying to be strong. She's not scared because it's a very big possibility. Something, they didn't know what was going on necessarily in there. And the nurse walks over and turns the radio on to kind of help the mood in the room. And I remember sitting there in my mind going, God, I'm really scared right now. And it was like I felt the presence of God move in that room, and that radio started playing. And he went, don't stop believing. I want to tell you today, and I feel God's presence saying this. 
God's got the right tune for whatever place you're in. And I'm here to tell you, I drove all the way from Ohio to let you know, don't stop believing. Four years we've been trying to have a second child. Surgeries, issues, all kind of stuff, medically going through. Tears and crying, why God, I don't understand. I want you to know today, she's in her second trimester with our second child. Don't stop believing. Get the picture of what you think it should have been out of your head and just allow God to take you through the process because just like we sang that, second, that last song, Jesus, I will trust you. I want to ask you today that part of believing, actually every bit of believing is simply trusting the process. It doesn't look like it's going to be going the way you think it is. You may look the furthest away from it, but today, don't stop believing. If he said it, it will come to pass. Let's pray today.